You know we've got Tyler Aki from Locked on Syracuse in the building. We're talking all things ACC hoops today, the rematch between Duke and Clemson tonight. More importantly, some of the games of the past week. How did FSU get caught slipping? It's strange, but hey, that's how it goes here in this conference. You are Locked On ACC, your daily podcast on the Atlantic Coast Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to today's edition of Locked on ACC. Thank you so much for joining me, Candace Cooper, your host, and Tyler Aki of Locked on Syracuse, who joins us every Thursday to talk some hoops that were at this time of the season. It's always fun for you to make us your first listen, and we're available wherever you get podcasts. Got a lot to talk about today. Of course, hoops action is in full effect, and I actually got the chance to talk a little bit of basketball with some Syracuse people. I think this is my second time talking to some Syracuse affiliates where they want me to like talk about all the Syracuse things. I'm like, I already got a guy you know like he's so much an expert but anyway Tyler thanks so much for joining me I really appreciate you for taking the time thank you Candace and by the way do I see your shirt right is that a little NC State uh you got on right now is that it is sacrilegious in the the Tar Heel family it's not it we're a house divided and so I just wear what's available to me fair enough so if you're watching on YouTube, just know, like, I just wear what's, you know, been passed down essentially to my group. So, yes, house divided for sure. We make it work, though. I don't kill them most of the times, but we definitely do not agree on certain games. You just have a like a real quiet household. Have you gotten the flag yet? Like the house divided flag? You know we what I'm talking not. about? Yeah, I'm thinking that when we actually get married, we might because that's cute. But like, we're not there yet. So who knows? Like, maybe it'll come with the ring, like a house divided, like sticker or plaque on the car, all that good stuff. Love Who it. knows? <laughs> but either way, we're talking about ACC basketball, and there's a big game tonight. Want to start here? Duke and Clemson. The rematch. Clemson, the first time out, became got two points shy of beating the Blue Devils at home in Cameron. We've seen Duke Blue Devils be shaky when it comes to their home matchups, but certainly take care of business on the road. They are trying to rebound after that UVA loss, and of course, this is a makeup game, but I feel like the energy has to be high for the Blue Devils going out because they're over their Saturday hangover from Carolina Duke, but they've got to show that they're just as tough as they head into Little John Coliseum tonight. What are your thoughts about this one, Tyler? Well, first of all, I want to see for two teams that are not very deep. Neither of them really goes past seven guys in a rotation. You're playing your third game now in five days. Like yeah. that's a lot to ask out of these kids. And in the case of Clemson, I, I get that they they were at home, so they don't have the travel day associated with this too. But they they played two days ago, so. Yeah. This is a lot, and we're going to see which bench shows up in this game tonight. And when you look at the benches, it's not really comparable. When you look yeah. at, on one side, Duke's got a guy in Joey Baker, and, of course, you, you see the bench production that they get out of guys like Theo John um, and just some of the deeper bench guys that they go to. Like it, It's not comparable to what Clemson has on the other side with what they've got coming off the bench. So yeah. I think it could be sort of a battle of attrition, and probably whoever – looks sharper in the first half is going to win the game. Yeah, absolutely. You talk about the bench. I think Trevor Keels really stepped up during that Virginia game with 12 points. But when you look at their starters, they struggled mightily for Duke. You had A.J. Mm -hmm. Griffin, who only had two points. You had Paolo Bencaro with a season low of nine. Have we figured out how to stop Duke in terms of if you stop Paolo, you really don't have a strong offensive force. And maybe you don't know if A.J. is going to be that consistent of an offensive weapon as we've come to believe. 
Well, Paolo just sort of disappeared in that second half too. Mm -hmm. And you just saw a completely different player. And yeah, AJ Griffin's a big part of it. How about Wendell Moore too? I mean, he Mm -hmm. only had nine points in 38 minutes and I get that he's still sort of gathering himself back from, from COVID. But one thing that I think you can, the the way to exploit Duke is get after Mark Williams, get downhill, cause some, some paint havoc here, because when you got him in foul trouble and, and you limit him to under 20 minutes in a game, you're going to have a, a good little go of it. I mean, he was dominant when he was out there. Don't like 16 points in, in 19 minutes to go along with three blocks. Like that'll play, but it's when you get into the depth and you have to see a lot more of Theo John and a little bit of Bates Jones and, and Joey Baker. Like that's mm-hmm. when you get into the teeth of this Duke team and their depth is sort of exposed to a degree. Mm-hmm. Now the depth is better than what Clemson has, especially from a talent standpoint. But right. if you can get after Mark Williams, you can you can cause a lot of problems for Duke. Yeah, quite as it's kept, he's definitely been that leader of the team where things, you know, breathe, live, and die by him. And I think he's going to be a very good pro when he goes to the next level. And when you look on the Clemson side, they just come off a really tough loss against Carolina. And of course, we talk about, you know, the blue bloods and the big energy of Duke, UNC. You know, sometimes we throw in Wake Forest. Clemson's not that far away. How important is it for them to get that staple win against a storied program like Duke? Well, for Clemson, I mean, you're near the bottom of the ACC right now in the standings. Mm -hmm. It's important, but right now you got to remember what Clemson is as a program too. Like it's nice to have these wins and sure you played close with them earlier on in the season, but you're not expecting these sort of wins over Duke, but these are sort Mm -hmm. of wins that let's say you have a recruit in the house, because I know a lot of these ACC schools, they schedule these recruiting visits around the Duke game. Mm -hmm. If you go out and show that you can compete with the best team or the best brand i should say in the conference like that means a lot to these recruits and they say to themselves like hey if they had me on that floor maybe we could have taken them down like it it gets it gets these guys fired up so i don't know what clemson's recruiting situation is going to look like for tonight but if there are some recruits there to go watch this clemson team like sometimes that's the game that pushes them over the edge too to make the decision to go to duke as opposed to a team out of the sec or the big 12 or the big 10 or something of that sort we could have a whole debate about best brands. I don't know about that one. I let you. I let you get away with that. But you know, I feel like a team down the street, a mile down the road, has a better brand. Listen, I, as much as I'm on Team Tar Heel here, I cannot <laughs> dispute the best brand in this conference is the Duke Blue Devils. You think so? Mm-hmm. Why? They're big bad Duke. Like they are the villain. Like they are the Yankees. And, and you know what? It may be a good thing to not be the best brand. Like I would rather be Carolina. <laughs> all right. Like. I've yeah. got Jumpman. I've got just a classier program. It feels like top to bottom. Um, I mean, Roy, Hubert, like they're all more likable than Coach K. Like I, mm. I would much rather, but you can't you can't deny what the Blue Devil brand is. It is the the Death Star uh, of this entire <laughs> ACC operation. It's so funny you talk about class because I think all last week I had to deal with who's classy, who's not, who's more respectful to the fans, who's not. And I'm like, have you guys ever been to Cameron Indoor? The Cameron crazies don't exactly say, "Hey, good luck, guys. Hope you play well." Like, did you I see just... the like the chirp sheet that they had for for yes. Virginia? Like, what was that? That was the, one of the cringiest things. Okay, I have ever seen. I, I don't have all the 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 jabs in front of me that they had but i mean my yeah. goodness that, that was Kahi that clark was is short awful. 
Yeah. yeah, and then for a state game, they literally put a, one of the players' phone numbers out there. And I'm like, there's just levels to this. Like, he's yeah. going to have to get a new phone now. AT&T, AT&T is going to go crazy. Like, that's just it's too much. But, of course, they're not they're not, not classy. They're respectful. Sure, whatever. We can have that debate all day long. But if you guys are looking to bet on tonight's matchup between Duke and Clemson, we strongly encourage you to hit up Bet Online. It has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football and basketball continue to march through Super Bowl and the – ACC tournament and dancing to March Madness. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for sports scores, podcasts, and news. It's not just about football and basketball, though. BetOnline has you has the opportunity to give you minute info on some pro basketball, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the news amazing offers available to you for 2022. BetOnline is simply where the game starts. And, of course, today is uh, trade deadline, NBA trade deadline. So I want you to make sure that you are listening to the Locked On NBA podcast. They'll be covering it live from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern. Join Kim Becker, John Corrales, and Locked On Fantasy basketball host Josh Lloyd to get analysis of every blockbuster move. Subscribe to Locked On NBA YouTube and turn your notifications on so you know when they go live and you don't want to miss Anything. Is there anyone that you're looking for the trade deadline? Or you're like, um, do you have do you have a favorite pro team, Tyler? I am a Bulls fan. So Okay. Okay. I, um you know, it's funny because two ACC guys are like the topic of trade rumors for the Bulls right now. Kobe mm-hmm. White and Patrick Williams. I don't think either gets dealt. And I don't think they want to trade either. Yeah. But I'm not expecting a big move today, nor do I really want a big move. I think yeah. health is your best trade. Health for is your sure. best trade right now. For, for sure. And the Bulls definitely are that team, that like little engine that could. They have the right plays. They feel like they're gelling well. Mm-hmm. But right now, of course, the biggest topic is James Harden and company and the Nets and how that'll go. But to me, all of it is just like, I don't understand. Maybe I need to listen to more Locked On NBA because I just don't get it. I'm like, okay, you're trying to see this player isn't playing well for this other team. So let's rip him away. And now you're going to go gel in the middle of the season and try and make a run for playoffs. Like, okay, is that does that synergy get off between the guys who are used to building up this momentum so far? Daryl Morey needs his guy. He needs his guy. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. I'm like, what's going to happen with Russell Westbrook? Like, I mean, the family just seems to be a, not a good vibe, but money's involved. It's just a lot. I really need to tune into more of that stuff because I, when I tell you I don't get it, I'm not a GM, and I'm perfectly yeah. fine with that. I'm like, ooh, purple purple jerseys, that looks fire. You know, like, whatever. I don't I don't do that. But either way it goes, I spend my time here in the ACC realm. And of course, we had some really good games to start off the week. We're going to talk about some Tuesday matchups here. North Carolina, as I mentioned, had beat Clemson. And a lot of people are getting on Heber Davis about the fact that he said, I want people to be more excited about these kids bouncing back and being resilient in these sort of settings. Nobody really talks about that. And for me, I'm like, eh, these are supposed to be, we're supposed to be gimmies at this point for who Carolina has built themselves Mm -hmm. to be as a program. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about one team who entered this game at eight and four in the conference. The other was uh, four and seven heading into this game in the conference. (laughs) One of these teams is hovering around 500. The other is making a run for the the NCAA tournament. Like, these are the games you need to pick off. I get it's on the road, and I'm not saying you got to go out and blow out these teams. They're not all going to be blowouts. You can't blow out every team, especially on the road when it comes down to it, even if they are inferior competition. But this was a good win, a much-needed win for Carolina. Um, I, I look at this UNC team as, and we kind of hit on it earlier. I don't know what the situation is. Maybe you know a little bit more with Dawson Garcia right now, but this is a very thin team right now. Yeah. When you're 
dipping into your bench and you're getting spot minutes from Justin McCoy and Puff Johnson. I mean, Kerwin Walton is your only bench player right now when you're Carolina. And I think you need a little bit more than that, especially as you head deeper and deeper into the season where the legs start getting a little bit more tired. You may need a couple critical ACC tournament victories. Those games are happening in successive days. So you're going to need some depth here down yeah. the stretch for a lot of these teams. And a lot of these teams are making up games. Like you see it with Duke right now. They're making up a game with Clemson. Like when you have these three games in a week stretches, you're going to need your, your depth to show its feathers at a certain point. And Absolutely. Carolina right now, there's a number of teams in the ACC that you can talk about in this yeah. regard that don't have that Carolina, Miami, Notre Dame, all yeah. those teams could use a couple extra guys. Not, not everyone can be Florida state that plays nine, 10 mm-hmm. guys, but even they're dealing with their warts right now with injuries too. Yeah. They're dealing with their warts and their losses. But in terms of Dawson Garcia, I know there's been multiple family illnesses and a couple, and a couple deaths. So like that's, all a lot to deal with in process. You know, hopefully he gets the chance to return. Maybe he'll return at the right time and be able to yeah. give them a little bit of tournament action. Huge piece. And I think Kerwin's having an off year. I mean, last season we saw him have this big freshman leap where he, everyone depended on him, right, for his three ball. And now it's like, can we just find him a shot? Can we just beg for him to get that fro and, like, do something when he's out there? But overall, I think it's really coming down to that uh, struggling backcourt. Caleb Love, RJ Davis. I don't know what it is about Caleb Love, but a lot of people have been tweeting me like, is that man Teflon? Is he untouchable? Why does he get to stay in games when he's doing horribly and he's turning over the ball or making silly decisions on the court? And I'm just like, I wish I could tell you. I wish I knew the reason, but you know, he's out well, there. Well, it goes back to the depth, right? Yeah. Like, who are you going to put in? Who are you going to have to facilitate the ball? Yeah, great question. Love it. RJ Davis, maybe, but probably not. And then when you talk about some positives, Syracuse picking up a big win against Boston College. I mean, it might not be a big one, but it's a win nonetheless. I was, again, talking to some Syracuse guys today, and we were talking about the fact that Syracuse has a nice stretch here. They could possibly go on a seven-game win streak with the games that they have coming up, and then they have a hard, like, final four games, I believe, Mm -hmm. as they end the season. But to me, you got to take your wins where you can get them. Yeah, this was game was a win, but it, it feels like a loss in almost the aftermath of everything with the news that Jesse Edwards is going to miss the remainder of the season with a broken wrist. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about someone who is in the conversation for most improved player in the conference. This is a program that's been depleted of an offensive minded center now for the better portion of a half decade. And you think about some of the great players in Syracuse history, John Wallace and, and Derek Coleman and. Um, even guys recently like Rakeem Christmas, like those mm-hmm. were great offensive minded bigs. Right. And now you've got a guy who Jesse Edwards was starting to emerge in that role. And it's it sucks to, as a Syracuse fan and to watch how much and how big of a leap he took from last season to this season where he may have even thrown his name into the all ACC caliber realm. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one could have predicted this for Jesse Edwards. I think if yeah. anyone was predicting a leap out of a player this year, they were expecting it to maybe be out of Joe Girard or even yeah. who Jesse is his backup in Frank Anselm. Maybe he would be the guy that t- takes a leap. So it- it's disheartening as a Syracuse fan, but you look at Frank Anselm, he came in, played pretty nicely. He's had some spot chances this year where he's looked really good. And maybe this is just a, a great development system that they've got all of a sudden in the center room and mm-hmm. Frank can step in and kind of pick up where Jesse left off. Mm-hmm. They're a little bit different. Jesse's footwork and, and uh, post presence is a mu- definitely much better, but mm-hmm. Frank is more of a power player. He's going to be able to, to elevate for dunks. He's going to do some of that stuff that I don't think Jesse had in his arsenal. So it's going to look different. And, and yeah. I think that's the wait and see game that Syracuse fans are, are waiting on right now. 
Absolutely. And, you know, a team like this who can slowly build confidence with a guy who's trans- transitioning in to have a quick couple games was a Georgia- Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, you know, mm-hmm. teams that you're absolutely capable of beating. Of course, you're going to struggle and have you know, definite strong matchups against the Dukes and the North Carolinas of the world. But do you feel confident with this team going in the ACC tournament that they can make a serious run if they wanted to? Well, I think a couple of factors go in here. One, Cole Swider is playing much better. He's shooting Mm -hmm. almost 75% from three during this four-game winning streak that they're on. Joe Girard's playing much better as well. He had another really good game against BC. It's just hard for me to get there when you lose one of your best players Mm -hmm. like Jesse Mm -hmm. and how much he's Mm -hmm. asked to do on both ends of the floor for this team. Now, I think the other issue that comes in is you're going to have to go small at times because Frank has a history of foul trouble too, much like Jesse Edwards did, but he doesn't have the backup behind him anymore to have the luxury to get in a little bit of foul trouble. If you're going to have to go with some smaller lineups, like good luck against Mark Williams, good luck against Armando Baycott, because that that (laughs) going small at the five is not going to work against those two guys. Right. And that's a situation Syracuse is likely going to find itself in even against a team like, like Virginia tech and Kevin Aluma. That's something that's not going to work in your favor. If you're falling out bigs and having to go with, uncharacteristic lineups that already this season haven't had a lot of success when they have been forced into action. Yeah, no doubt. And I think that, again, when it comes to just having to step up next man up, but you also talk about depleted rosters, it gets real dicey when you have to play multiple games in a row and then you're just, you know, hoping and praying that you get an opportunity to dance in March. So a lot of interesting and viable options for an ACC tournament winner. I was, you know, of course, crowning Duke at the moment, but I think it's anyone's game. Like, I can't believe Notre Dame is currently sitting at the top of the ACC. Never thought I would say that this season. Given What have I been telling you? Every week. (laughs) Don't sleep on Notre Dame. But I was trying to get to it because I'm like, Tyler's been the man. He's been the guy fighting for the fighting Irish, and he's feeling good about this squad. And I just, you know, kudos to you for being on it with that. Thank you. Thank you. Another thing with Syracuse, too. um, Yeah. They've got a stretch coming up in about a week and a half where they're going to embark on a uh, five-game in 10-day stretch. (laughs) Yes. And when you're losing guys, and we talked about it with some of these other teams too, when the rotation chops down to seven or six Mm -hmm. players – for the most part, like those are doomsday stretches. And as great as the vibes are right now with this four game winning streak, the potential to maybe extend it to as many as seven before some really stiff competition comes in. Yeah. That five game and 10 day stretch, I think is going to be what, what sets this team back. No doubt. So let's get into some of these Wednesday games here as we get towards the last segments of uh, segment of the day. Wake Forest, Alondez Williams kind of went missing the first half of this game, but was able to bounce back for the Demon Deacons as they were able to beat NC State 69 to 51. And I just feel like Wake Forest, first team to get 20 wins here out of the ACC. That says something about Coach Forbes and what he's yeah. truly done for this program this season. Absolutely. Especially when you talk about a program that, I mean, with Forbes, he's starting to get some of his guys in the program. I mean, not one of his recruits per se, but Alondis Williams being a transfer coming in, he's been the best transfer in the ACC. One of the best in the entire country, really, this season. And for him to be spearheading a unit that, I mean, Wake Forest, I don't remember exactly what they were picked to finish in the ACC, but I believe it was in the bottom half of the conference. (laughs) And for them to have a real viable chance of winning the regular season, and definitely making a little bit of a run. And more importantly for Wake Forest fans, becoming a tournament team 
Yeah. That that's a sign of coaching and, and and going out and finding the right guys. So credit to Steve Forbes, the entire staff for what they're they've been building at, at Wake Forest the past couple seasons. And I think that this could be listen, Wake Forest isn't a team that's going to scare me necessarily mm-hmm. because they're definitely susceptible to losses at any given moment too. And the, there are some bad matchups they can encounter as well, but they're a team that's certainly moving in the right direction. And for them to be in the tournament conversation and likely one of the tournament teams getting yeah. a bid from the ACC, that's a great step for this program. Absolutely. I would say between Alondez Williams and Brady Manning, it's like, who are you yeah. guys before you entered the transfer portal? I right. didn't even know you existed. And now you kind of turned over a new leaf and, you know, definitely caught some really great eyes. So for all those who are like nag about the transfer portal, it could definitely benefit some of these people. That's all I gotta say about that one. But Miami beats Georgia Tech 79 to 70, a Miami team that needs to keep rolling in the right way. I was talking highly of McGusty and Wong. And I think, you know, as this program it is short on numbers when it comes to rotation. I do think that they have the grit and the heart to stay in games and ultimately take over when the time is needed. Yeah, this was a dicey win for for Miami because yeah. they were trailing for a good portion of this game before <laughs> turning it on in the second half. But yep. I look at it as these are games where depth, teams that don't have a lot of depth usually don't win. But for mm-hmm. Miami to go out and win a game where you are struggling in that first half and Georgia Tech's sort of in control of the game, but you hung around enough. Usually it's the teams like the Florida States that can kind of pounce on you in the final five, seven minutes and take care of business. But look what happened with Miami. They go out there, they get some some strong minutes from Bensley Joseph off the bench. And then you, you look in the starting lineup, every single starter has at least a dozen points. That to me, that's a really strong starting five. But again, when you get into the, some of these two games in three days, the, the ACC tournament where you're going to be playing every single day, what's this team going to look like then? But you got to credit Miami. Like they went out and got a, a very crucial win because if you lose this, like you start to lose some of your credibility. Like everyone's trying to sniff out the frauds in the ACC right now, whether it's mm-hmm. Wake, whether it's Miami. Yeah. Um, but right now, that those teams are kind of passing every single test so far. Like, for them to still be standing on these legs at this point in the season, that's a lot of credit to Laranega and Forbes and, and what they've built. Yeah, no doubt about that. You talk about Notre Dame and Louisville, 63 to 57. And while, of course, Notre Dame is rolling mightily, I thought the return of Malik Williams was going to change things for Louisville. I have said they could be a player led team that digs deep and figures it out. I think, you know, they were fluked in that Louisville, North Carolina loss. I think they've been, of course, played with in some other matchups, but. Man, if they could get it right, they could seriously be a decent squad. And that's why as much as we talk about, you know, some team could turn it on and figure it out, I still don't want to give up on them. But should I give up on them, Tyler? I'm kind of <laughs> there right now. I mean, you see Malik Williams. He's supposed yeah. to be the best player on this team. And yeah. he comes back from a suspension. And I, I saw one guy on Twitter, a one of the co- college basketball like gambling analysts, say, is Malik Williams point shaving right now? Like – some of the things that he is doing on defense where he's letting guys drive baseline so easily on him, like it to me feels like a locker room that's fractured beyond repair at this point with with Louisville. And unfortunately I think Malik Williams is a big part of that right now. I mean, Mm -hmm. he was the one that made the, the no comment by commenting without commenting um, in regards (laughs) to, to Chris Mack, which probably was the the straw that broke the camels back in Mack's departure. Uh, So it just seems like a team that's beyond repair right now. And and is is just hoping to get across the finish line at this point. 
No doubt. Final game talk about here, Pittsburgh and Florida State. The Pittsburgh Panthers upset the Florida State Seminoles. Nobody saw that coming, but hey, sometimes you get popped in the mouth. It makes you for a better team. I think the Seminoles have experienced that multiple times this season, but credit to me to Pittsburgh for like, they always are in games until they're not, or, you know, they at least come out trying. And I think that speaks to what Capel is trying to do with the, you know, lack of talent. You know, sometimes we say about recruits or not having the star players, star power, you still see some fight. I mean, I say that about Boston College college all the time you might not be best on paper but at least you're going to give them give them a show say that to say. Pitt is four and ten in the ACC but they I don't have their against the spread record in mm-hmm. front of me but I would guess it is very good yeah because you look at how they hang around I mean just to start uh back in January three-point game against Louisville back when Louisville was decent in the ACC mm-hmm. and playing well they beat BC they they didn't hang with, with Syracuse, but they bounced back in the, the home game that they had against them and beat them. They they hung with or they beat Louisville the second time around. They were within five against uh, Virginia. They've played close games against Virginia Tech. So and then you get this big game against Florida State. And I look at the, the conversation here shouldn't be about Pitt per se. It should mm-hmm. be about Florida State because okay. and they're dealing with injuries right now. And, and some of which are not going to be coming back too, which is yeah. a big problem for this team. But. The, the, a game like this can't happen at home yeah. against Pitt. Like you're a team that right now that's sort of starting to bank up some losses. Like you're a 13 and 10 right now yeah. as a whole and six and seven in the ACC right now. Like you're not in a great spot in the conference. Yeah. And if you want to be one of those teams that's contending for an NCAA tournament spot, we're starting to get into the territory of Florida state where it's, you know, you got to go, um, you, you got to go out and win the ACC tournament. Like we're, yeah. we're slowly getting to that point with them and, and they've lost five <laughs> in a row now. So this yeah. is not a spot I thought we'd be in with Florida state injuries or not. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, we always talk so highly of coach Hamilton and having to deal with, you know, these group of young guys and always getting them ready. And we've seen flashes. I mean, a good win against Duke, good, you know, wins mm-hmm. against Miami, but I think ultimately it's going to be a, can the youth figure it out and figure it out mightily during a time when you're supposed to be at the highest level of play, right? You're supposed to be coming out there every single night, giving your all. And I think with you have freshmen and sophomores, it makes it difficult. When you got injuries, it makes it even more challenging. And then we talk about nine to 10 players. Now it might be down to seven. So it's ultimately going to be a test of mental toughness at this point when it comes to the Seminoles, I feel like. Right. And, and this is a team that should be built for this too, mm-hmm. to go out and, and perform despite injuries and overcome yeah. that. But meanwhile, we've seen other teams sort of battle through injuries and, and be all right. And Florida State's the one that should be equipped to handle this, but so far has not proven that they are. No doubt. No doubt. I truly believe that. And like, again, I say this on, I feel like every time I get asked to interview, I would love to say, yes, it's going to be Duke. Then everybody else, they're going to win the tournament and we're going to have no surprises, but we all know this conference is going to give you plenty of surprises. Do you feel like that way right now? We're still Duke and everybody else. Are you starting to feel a little more, you know, leaning towards that, those fighting Irish or anybody else to win? Are you talking about the regular season or the conference tournament conference tournament? Conference tournament, I think it'll be Duke still. But again, mm-hmm. it's that sort of one-and-done format. I, I Let's put it this way. I feel more confident in Duke to go out and win the regular season as opposed mm-hmm. to win the conference tournament just because anyone can show up with a, a bad game one day and then it's over, right? There you go. There's no consolation of, of any point. Um, so I, I would say that Duke, definitely more likely to win the regular season than conference tournament, but they're still my pick in both. Okay. Okay. I think regular season, 
I, I hope it doesn't come down to the game in March between them and Carolina. Like, I hope that's oh, not. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> wouldn't that I be something? I hope it doesn't because, you know, I need Carolina to at least show up in that game. But more importantly, I feel like Notre Dame, just like run away with it if you're going to do it. Don't let it be close for anybody. And as quiet as it's kept, Virginia is slowly trying to make themselves in the conversation with a 9-5 right. conference record. I'm like, okay, catch fire at the right time. Why? Reese Beekman, do what you got to do. We've seen him shoot some clutch shots before in yeah. tournament capacities and – you never know with a, a, a well-coached team like Virginia is. It's very much anybody's game. Right, especially when you get into tournament formats, too, yeah. with with Tony Bennett and, and what Virginia is capable of. And yeah. you got to remember, they, they're one of those teams that has a few transfers on it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important when you look at some of these teams, just, even from a national landscape, too, I point to a team like Texas, who mm-hmm. is pretty much – made up of almost holy <laughs> transfers right now. Yeah. Um, but they're finding their form right now late in the season. I think that's important because yeah. th- they had their question marks. They took their lumps at early points in the season. Nothing was necessarily a bad loss, but you never won some of those games where it was like, all right, prove it. All right. Yeah. Prove yeah. that you're a good team. And Virginia's starting to do that now because the transfers are, are almost becoming one with the team and you feel like a team as opposed to a sum of parts. Yep. And that's, I feel like, where Virginia is right now and why they could potentially make a run. Certainly not a team you want to face in the ACC tournament. No doubt about that. Tyler, it's always a pleasure to have you get your insights here on the show. Can you please remind folks of where they can find you, follow your work? Yeah, you can check us out, Locked on Syracuse, every single weekday. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse and myself at Tyler, A-K-I underscore. No doubt, guys. At Locked on ACC on Twitter, make sure you make us your first listen each and every day. And if you want to hear some other content, you can listen to Locked on Bets podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe on YouTube. We're all over the place. You can listen to all of my conference guys. They give you some great content with their respective teams. For Candace Cooper and Tyler Aki, until next time.